welcome today. My name is Ross Anderson. I'm one of our teaching pastors here at Alpine Church. And you know, this pandemic that we've been going through really means a, a lot of loss for a number of people. And maybe really all of us are suffering loss of some kind, maybe greater or lesser. For example, if you're a people person, you're probably really suffering the loss of your relational connections. How many of you are huggers? Would you raise your hand right now? I know this social distancing is pretty tough for you, right? And we're all suffering loss of some of our normal everyday routines in life. Some of you are suffering loss of big, important milestone events that you've been looking forward to, like your college or your high school graduation ceremony, or maybe you've been planning that big wedding for months and, and you wanted all your family and your friends to be there and then nobody's gonna be able to show up. Or you have loss of opportunities, that concert that you were looking forward to, you had your tickets and now it got canceled. Sally and I were planning a big trip to England for my 65th birthday. And we had a, we've been working on this for, for months and we were gonna have uh, a week where we're just riding bicycles around uh, England. And I know to some of you, that sounds like a bad idea for a vacation, but for me, it was like, that's been on my bucket list. And you know, now we're not gonna go. In fact, we would have been leaving next Sunday for this trip and who knows when or if we'll be able to do that again. Some of your losses are more serious. Maybe they're economic or financial. Like my daughter worked for a restaurant and she got laid off early in this thing and she hasn't worked for six or seven weeks. And maybe some of you are in a similar situation as that. And then of course, there's the health losses. Some of you have lost your health. Some of you have lost loved ones in this difficult time. I have a friend whose 93-year-old grandmother is... Uh, uh, came down with the coronavirus and she's just hanging on for dear life. Nobody knows if she's really gonna make it or not. And so I wonder what losses you've suffered during this time. And, and maybe if you wanna interact and, and be engaged with us, uh, we're all in this together. So I encourage you to, to put in, in your comment and post a comment about maybe the things that you felt the loss of the most significantly in the last few weeks. Would you share that with us today? I'm curious what, what those are gonna be like. And I think we'd like to see what each other are going through this morning. Now, here's the thing that anytime that we suffer loss, it's human that we also suffer grief with that. We suffer sadness with that. You know, that's, that grief will be greater or less based on the magnitude of the loss, but we're all gonna suffer some kind of grief. And as I was reflecting on this, that's really why we've chosen the topic we wanna talk about today, grief in the chaos. And as I was thinking about this, I realized that, that a lot of us don't do grief very well. Our culture tells us to just be strong and to suck it up, you know? But then sometimes those of us who are Christians, we've been told that, hey, you just need to trust God with things or, hey, you should be experiencing the joy of the Lord in your life. But when we're going through stuff like this, through times of hardship and chaos, what does that even mean? How do we really trust God with that? What does it mean to experience joy in that? And that's why, what I wanna explore with you uh, in this topic today. So what I want to do is kick off with our first point. I want you to understand that it's not a sin to be sad. In fact, God can even work through the grief in our lives. Now, the Bible tells us what we really know uh, in our experience that everyone in life is going to go through some tough times and we're not going to be free from sadness and grief and loss as long as we're living in this fallen world. The Bible really affirms that and is realistic about that. So you see in um, Ecclesiastes chapter three, it says, there's a time for everything and for every activity under the heavens, a time to weep and a time to laugh, 
a time to mourn and a time to dance. And so it says, you know, hey, we should not be surprised if our whole life is not filled with laughter and celebration all the time. In fact, the Bible is really honest about this. It shows us a number of people, godly people, in fact, who go through significant times of grieving. And so, for example, we meet a woman named Hannah. And Hannah was grieving because she was infertile. And her friends and the people in her community mocked her, put her down because she was not able to have a child. And so she calls out to God in 1 Samuel 1. It says she was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. That's that's real grief. And then King David, many of you know about King David, one of the significant kings of the Old Testament. He wrote a lot of the Psalms. Well, he had a tremendous time of grief because he lost his son. And it was even worse than you might imagine because his son Absalom had actually risen up against King David in revolt, trying to remove him from the throne. And so David had to go into battle against his own child. And in the battle, Absalom was killed. And here's how uh, David responded to that. In 2 Samuel, it says, the king was overcome with emotion. And he went up to the room over the gateway and burst into tears. And as he went, he cried, oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, if only I had died instead of you. Do you see that the depth of his grief, it was part of life. And even Jesus experienced sorrow and sadness. The Old Testament prophets looking forward to the coming of Christ, they prophesied this in Isaiah chapter 53. It says, he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. The G- Jesus' sorrow was real. And one time we see in the, in the gospels how he stood in front of the tomb of his beloved friend who had died, and it says Jesus wept. And I want to bring up these examples just to make sure you understand that it's not a sin to be sad. But here's where the confusion comes in for some of us as Christians, because the Bible does say that we should be filled with joy in the Lord. And the Bible does say that joy is a fruit or a result of the Holy Spirit. And so that's where a lot of Christians get the idea that that we shouldn't show sadness. If If we're sad, that that means We're not trusting in God or we're not being filled by the Holy Spirit and led by the Spirit. Now, we don't have time to talk about everything the Bible says about joy today. There's some great resources about joy at pursuegod.org. But I do want you to understand that joy is not the opposite of grief. And I learned this when my wife died of cancer in 2012. I went through grief, as you might imagine, after we'd been married for for three decades. And, And I... I was sad and I felt emotionally numb and I I couldn't sleep at night. I couldn't eat. All the signs of grief, I, I couldn't muster the energy to do work. And yet, even in the midst of that, I wake up in the morning after a fitful night of poor sleep and at the same time, I felt this deep joy at work underneath the sadness, underneath the sorrow. And I knew it was because God was present and because God cared for me. And so we're saying that, that you don't need to, to paste on a pretend plastic smile onto your face, that it's not uh, a shame to feel or to express your sadness. You don't have to fake it together because it's not a sin to be sad. In fact, God works in our lives through grief and sometimes in ways that he might not be able to really do in other, in other times of life because God, through our grief, makes us more deep and, and more wise. And so 
A lot of times, you know, in life, when things are going good, we bounce around on autopilot just from one activity to the next, and we just keep going, and we never have time to reflect. But when we're stricken with these times of loss and grief, it forces us to look in the mirror. It forces us to slow down and evaluate what really matters most in our life and to wrestle with the big questions. And, And God can use that grief to purify our desires and our motives in life. And then God can use that grief when we're uh, experiencing it well to enlarge and to soften our hearts so that we become more tender and more compassionate. In other words, more like Jesus. And then God can use that to help us to bring comfort and encouragement to other people who are growing, uh, going through grief. And so it's not a sin to be sad. Now, the flip side of that, <clears throat> as we look at the next thing I want to share with you is it's true that it's okay to be sad, but not all grief strategies are helpful. There are some that can make a difference, but not every way that people grieve is always helpful. Now, people are going to grieve in different ways. They're going to go through the steps of grief at different rate and different pace and different cultures and personalities are going to express grief differently. But I have to tell you that not every way that people choose to grieve is going to really help them get through it necessarily. So for example, some people will choose to isolate too much. And yeah, you want to be alone, but if you isolate too much, it's not going to help you in your grief. Some people just stay too self-sufficient. They want to be strong through it. And if you don't rely on other people, it's probably not going to help you get through your grief. Some people turn to obsessive behaviors, maybe drinking too much or eating too much, buying too much, too many sleeping pills. Some people allow rage and bitterness to, to take over their heart. Some people blame God for their loss. And I understand all of those. They make sense from a human perspective. But the fact is, none of those things are going to really help you navigate the grief in a way that you come through in a healthy way to the other side. By contrast, let me share with you four strategies that are more helpful. And what I did was I went through pursuegod.org and there's so many great resources there about grief. I just went through all the articles there, the topics, and culled through and kind of pulled out the highlights, the very best things that I found. And so I want to encourage you to go look at that if you want a, a deeper look. But I found these four strategies that are positive for how to deal with grief. Number one is uh, take it straight to God. Don't run away from God. Don't shun God in times like this, but go uh, straight to him. So King David went through a lot of grief and here's one of the things that he learned, not just from the grief of of, uh, his son Absalom's death, but he learned in Psalm 119, he says, I will weep with sorrow, encourage me by your word. So he went to God. He had not acknowledged his sorrow, but he went to God to find a fix for that. I was reading recently a biography of Martin Luther, who's one of the founders of the Protestant Reformation. And it was saying that when his father died, he just grabbed a Bible, he went in a room and he spent two whole days alone in that room, just reading the Psalms and and crying for the loss of his dad. You know, turn to God. And the second thing is that uh, you need to allow yourself to feel and express emotions. And again, we see that in the Psalms. We see David was very open about expressing his emotions. So don't stuff it under the rug. Don't sweep it away. But it's okay to find ways to be honest about what you're feeling and what that's like for you. Then a third strategy you could employ is you got to take care of yourself. you got to get some rest. Because when you're going through grief, it just saps you emotionally. The Bible talks about the principle of Sabbath, that God has given us Sabbath as a way to replenish our bodies and our souls. And when you're going through grief, you need Sabbath even more than in normal times. And so you got to make a decision 
to say no to things, to give yourself a break, to take a day off in order to take care of yourself. And then the fourth one that we see is that you got to engage with people. That's a strategy you need to choose because God uses people in our lives to help bring comfort and care to us. And so the Bible says it like this in Romans 12, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. And so, so God says, I'm going to bring people alongside that you can let them share the burden with you, that you can talk it through with them in different ways. Now, this is one of the reasons I'm such a big fan of, of small groups. And I hope you're part of a small group. If you're not, most of our groups right now are me still meeting. Many of them are meeting online. And, and you can get, find a group at alpinechurch.org and you search for groups. And the great thing about an online group is you don't have to live nearby. You could live in another state. And you could join an online small group. But, but we find that even online, that people are still able to share these burdens that they have and to talk through the things that they're going through and the losses that they're feeling in life. So you've got to choose to engage with people. Now, I hope you find those strategies helpful for yourself, but I don't want to just leave it there. I want to take it one more step, one step further, to give you a larger overarching principle about how grief is unique for Christians. Now, maybe this pandemic, you're not feeling a big sense of loss. Bless you. You know, some of us haven't had to go through a lot of terrible things right now, but at some point in your life, you're going to go through loss. You're going to suffer grief. And when you do, as a Christ follower, I want you to understand this larger picture. And that is this, whatever you go through, whatever happens, God himself is enough. So that when we grieve as Christians, it's never ultimately without hope. See, again, everybody's going to go through loss in life. Everybody's going to go through grief. But the Bible says that grief is different when God is in the picture. And we see that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. He's saying, look, you've lost people, people that you love. He says, I don't want you to be uninformed. Yes, we're going to grieve. He doesn't say don't grieve. But he says, yes, we're going to grieve. Whatever the loss might be, greater or smaller, we're going to grieve. But he says, look, we don't grieve like the rest of humanity because for Christians, our grief is always laced with hope. And I want to show you three reasons why we have hope even in our grief. Number one is that God promises his presence. We can have hope in our grief because of God's presence in our lives. Now, again, King David went through a lot of stuff with his son Absalom, all the things that are recorded in the Psalms. And what he learned in that was that God is present. In Psalm 34, he said, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. See, this is awesome because when you're going through grief, it's not like God is going to shun you. Sometimes that when we're going through loss, it feels like God is a universe away or that God is somehow just shunning us and putting us to the side. But he says, no, God is present, whether we feel him or not. And so here's, here's how to handle that, you know. Uh, you, can, you can invite God into that place of sorrow, into that place of suffering where you sit and he'll come and sit with you. And for me, the way I experience that is to open up his word, the Bible. The Bible is like God's love letter to us. And when I open it up to the Psalms, it has such a great emotional range and I can relate to those. And I open it up to the Gospels in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John where 
where we see Jesus and we connect directly with Jesus and his life. And when I open his word and spend time reading, that's where I sense God meeting me and present with me in that very moment. So that's reason number one. But the second reason that we can have hope in our grief is because God promises his comfort and support. And so here's what it says in the Psalms again, 143. He heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. Now, look, the wounds that we suffer are not physical. And so there's no gauze bandage or no antibiotic that can, can heal these wounds. But, but God can heal them. It made me think of the time, some of you guys know, that a few years ago I was involved in a, in a bicycling accident. I broke both arms. Okay, I had to have surgery and go through a long process of follow-up visits and physical therapy. And it took a long time for these arms to heal. But just because it took a long time, it didn't happen overnight, that didn't mean that what the doctors did wasn't working. It was. It just took, it had to take its own time and its own course. And in the same way, God heals our broken hearts. He takes the pieces of our hearts and he tenderly and gently knits them together again in his own time and in his own process. Now, I don't know if you can, can see my scar right here. You probably can't see that, but, but I'll have that for the rest of my life. And in the same way, you're not going to forget the losses that, that you've experienced in this life. But nevertheless, God will heal. Now, here's how Jesus put that in Matthew chapter 5. He said, God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And part of that comfort is knowing that God is present. Part of that comfort is knowing that God's at work in the adversity. Part of that comfort is, is the people that God puts into our lives who care about us. Part of that comfort is knowing that a brighter future is ahead for people who belong to Christ. And that brings us to our, our third reason that we can have hope in our grief. It's because God promises to turn our fortunes around. Now, I may not do it in the way you think that he might do it. We see different examples in scripture. So this woman, Hannah, who was grieving her infertility, well, after she prayed that prayer to God, she became pregnant and she gave birth to a son and, and that son grew up to be the prophet Samuel. And so Hannah, God turned her fortunes around right here in, in pretty short order in her life. You know, for me personally, after my wife died of cancer in 2012, God turned my fortunes around when he brought Sally into my life. And we've been married almost six years now. And what a wonderful relationship we have. And it's so awesome to have a partner in my life again. It's a wonderful person. But when you think about King David, he lived with the loss of his son Absalom for the rest of his life. And God didn't turn his fortunes around within his life. And so sometimes he'll do it in this life. Sometimes he won't. Sometimes he don't, won't do it the way that we want or expect him to do it. But a big part of our hope is this, that we know that this life is not all there is. We know that a day is coming when God's going to make everything new, when all the chaos and the loss that happens in this world will be done away with. And the Bible talks about that in Revelation chapter 21. It says, he will wipe, speaking of Jesus, he will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. And all these things are gone forever. You might have cried a river of tears in this life, but a day is coming when there'll be no more tears. You may feel like sorrow and pain and difficulty have, have hit you like a truck, but one day all those things will be gone 
And, and you can be assured of that future when you entrust your life and your eternity to Jesus Christ. Now, <clears throat> to be honest, for some of you who, who haven't made that faith, faith decision yet, and maybe you don't identify yourself as a Christian, I, I have to be honest with you. I, I just wonder how you make it through the tough stuff in life. I just wonder, you know, where do you turn for hope? Biblical hope is solid, it's confidence. And it seems like without Jesus, the best we have is just wishful thinking. And so that's why I look around and I see people who are crushed and devastated and paralyzed by their losses in life. And many people just seem to never recover from that loss when they face it without Christ. But once you entrust your life to him, then you have hope and promise that that you can rely on God in these difficult times. You see, Jesus is God's appointed representative to humanity. And as long as you keep him at arm's length, then all the good promises of God that he gives us, then those are always also going to be just out of reach for you. And many of us have experienced his hope and his encouragement in the darkest times in our lives. Do you know him? Have you trusted him? You know, when we talk about God's promises, that doesn't minimize the reality of the loss and the hurt that we go through. I've been there and I know how much it hurts. But it gives us hope that God is present and he's at work in those very difficult, challenging times. Now, I want to close by asking you a question. I want you to encourage you to think about this question with your family. When we're, when we're done with our broadcast today, t- spend some time talking about this. What's the most important lesson that you can share with someone else who's suffering grief and loss? Think about that. What's the most important lesson you could share with someone else? And I hope you've come to the place in your life where you would answer because of your relationship with Jesus, that you would answer that no matter what happens, God himself is enough. That God is present with you. I hope you've experienced that. That God is at work, even in the most difficult times, transforming you. That God has a brighter future ahead for you. And that's why when chaos brings grief, when chaos brings loss into our lives, we can always continue to trust in him. Let's pray together. Father, we do pray for all those who are going through loss right now. Whatever the magnitude of the loss, some of them are deep and some of them really hurt. And we pray, God, that everyone who's suffering loss today would experience your presence, that they would turn to Jesus more deeply, more richly and fully, that they would find that your promises are good, that they would find that you are enough, that they would learn that we don't grieve without hope. They'd find that hope that you give in your presence, in your comfort, in your future. God, we pray for each one that they would uh, sense that from you. And we pray that each one of us, Father, would be available to you to help bring that comfort and that encouragement to people around us who might be suffering loss. We trust all of this into your hands. In Jesus' name, 